let's clap our hands to the Lord tonight. While you're doing that, add your voice to that and give the Lord a great shout of praise. Would you do it? Oh, I love you, Jesus. Come on, let the redeemed of the Lord say so tonight. I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, I'm so glad to be in church on Sunday night. Oh, it feels good in the house of the Lord. Amen. I wish you would find at least two people, and I want you to compliment them right now. Say, you look a lot better tonight than you did this morning. Your hair looks nice. Your breath smells good. <laughs> oh, thank you, Lord. Praise God. Amen. Once you've done that, you may be seated. Now, I'm going to tell you what's interesting about doing that right there is when you did that, and I saw several of you say, you look so nice, then you started laughing. I don't know what to think about that. <laughs> But it is so, so great to be in God's house. I am so thankful to be at Antioch tonight. I was on the phone with Brother Scott Shelton this afternoon, and I told Pastor on the way here into the sanctuary, I feel like I can now go to heaven because I have been to Antioch. I've repented of my sins. I've been water baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins. I've been filled with the Holy Ghost with the initial evidence of speaking with other tongues. And I've been at Antioch, the apostolic church. Oh, amen. I, I am so, so honored. Stacy and I are so privileged to be here. Pastor, thank you for the kind invitation to come and be with you tonight. And just to feel the presence of the Lord in such a marvelous, marvelous way. Pastor said it. Well, we do have a connection to Antioch. The state of Arkansas does. There are so many people that are special to me. My pastor, James Lumpkin, is a dear friend of the Wrights. And uh, for many, many years, we have been blessed by the ministry of the entire Wright family. And then Brother Tim Sullivan, our district secretary and my dear, dear friend, is such a friend to this church as well, Brother Scott Shelton. And the list goes on and on. But it is great to be with all of you. And I give honor to our pastor and our first lady of this church. So thankful for them. They're wonderful children. Brother Nate, you did a great job on the keyboard tonight. Brother Timothy making those drums talk over there. Amen. And just everybody has been so kind. So, so kind. I was preaching years ago in the state of California in the city of San Diego. And uh, the pastor of the church is, not was, he is six feet eight inches tall. And his pulpit was built to size. <laughs> now, I don't know if you notice this, but I am not six foot eight. So every once in a while, you could see my hand coming up over the pulpit. But I'm glad to be behind a see-through pulpit tonight. Amen. Brother and Sister Favors, right back here. I got to see our missionary friends when I came in tonight. I'm so thankful for Brother and Sister Favors. I give them honor tonight. And they're sweet children. I thank God for our heroes. Missionaries are heroes. Amen taking the gospel around the world. Amen. And I'm so thankful for them. I want you to stand one more time with me if you would. And I'd like to invite your attention to the book of Acts. The book of Acts. Years ago I was praying and uh, Bishop, it's so good to be with you. I appreciate you and I love you. I'm so thankful 
for Bishop Wright, Pastor Wright, Antioch. Because here's the deal. When you get these guys, men, sorry, I didn't mean to be disrespectful, men in this church, you got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost here at Antioch. I'm so thankful for that. What a team. Praise God. But I was praying years ago when I first became a pastor. And I said, Lord, I want a book of Acts church. I want a book of Acts church. Now, I don't know how the Lord speaks to you. I told the ministers this week, I have friends that when the Lord speaks to them, it is always, most of the time, pretty demonstrative, like dramatic. Most of the time, it's not nearly as dramatic for me as some people would think it is. Most of the time, it's just my thoughts and the Holy Ghost touching my mind, and I call them Holy Ghost nudges. How many are with me right now? Make me feel a little bit better. Yeah. And so I say, Lord, I want a book of Acts Church. And the Lord spoke to me, and here's what he said to me. And this is going to surprise some of you. He said, Tim, if you want a book of Acts Church, then you need to read the book of Acts. How many of you know we don't become a book of Acts Church by thinking about the book of Acts? We don't become a book of Acts Church by just kind of ethereal up here no we come become a book of acts church by reading the book of acts practicing the book of acts engaging the book of acts letting that pattern be our pattern amen so with the help of the lord i want to i want to preach from the book of acts tonight are you there if you're there say i'm there so glad my wife stacy's here with me i searched all over the united states and couldn't find a wife so I went to Canada and I found one. And I brought her back here almost 30 years ago. And she's been such a wonderful wife. And I love her so very, very much. Acts 18 and verse 1. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth and found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus. Lately come from Italy with his wife Priscilla. Because that Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome. And he came unto them. And because he was of the same craft. Everybody say the same craft. He abode with them. And wrought. For by their occupation... They were tent makers. This is the book of Acts equivalent to an Airbnb. Paul shows up in a town and decides, I'm going to hang out with these guys right here. And so I really feel compelled in the Holy Ghost to preach a simple message here at Antioch tonight on strategic people strategic people would you say that with me strategic people would you set your bible down one more time lift up your heart your hands with me let's just invoke the presence of the lord over this house lord jesus we are calling your holy name that holy name of jesus over this word preached tonight God, I can do nothing in my own power, but your anointing can destroy yokes, Lord. Your anointing can bring edification to the body of Christ. So, Lord, would you let there be a glory that would fill this house as your word is declared. Let signs, wonders, miracles, gifts of the Spirit, and demonstration of your glory come and fill this house. Touch every man, every woman, every child, every person, Lord. And we're going to give you the thanks and the glory and the praise in Jesus' name. And everyone, would you say amen? God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. Thank you for following along in your Bible tonight. Now, keep your Bible close because we're going to look at several verses in the book of Acts, chapter number 18. 
I'd like you to take just a moment, and we greeted one another a few moments ago, but I'd like you to do that again, and this time, I would like you simply to tell someone near you, we're in the body together. Tell them that right now. We're in the body together. Turn back to them and say, whether you like me or not, this is what it is. Look at somebody and say, whether it's your desire or not, we're both here right now. I want you to know that I am so, so blessed to witness the body of Christ. The body of Christ is a marvelous, marvelous thing. We're not all the same, and thank God for that. We're different. If you don't think that's true, just look down the row right now. We're different. We look different. We talk different. We act different. Some of you are very, very outgoing. All I'd have to do is throw you the mic. You take off preaching. There's others you would break out in hives if I threw you the mic right now. But you know what? Whether we are gregarious, outgoing, we're reserved, we're timid, we're in the body together. We're in the kingdom together. We're in this thing called the body of Christ together. Paul made it clear to the Corinthian church when he said the body is one and has many members. And all the members of that one body being many are one body. So also is Christ. For by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles. Whether we be bond or free. And have been all made to drink into one Spirit. For the body is not one member but many. Now you are the body of Christ. And members in particular. There are strategic people that God is positioning in this hour. And many of them are sitting in this room right now. Oh, I thank God for His church. I thank God for His body. I thank God for the global body of Christ. And honey, it is far too late in this thing called the kingdom to be isolated and alone and off in the corner. We need each other. We've got to have each other. Come on, Antioch, I need you and you need me. You need that brother in the chair next to you right now. You need that sister in the chair next to you right now. We need each other. We got to have this thing called the body. We got to have this group of people that network together. How many of you know life can be too brutal to be in it by yourself? Life can beat us up too good to be isolated. Please resist the spirit of isolation. Please resist the spirit that says, I'm going to do it on my own. We can't do it on our own. We need the body of Christ. Come on, I'm just going to camp out here right now. We've got to have one another. We've got to have us even with our warts and even with our mistakes and even with our personalities. We need each other. See, it is amazing to me how Paul got this right before he started reaching out. He said, if I'm going to be effective in the body, then I got to be connected to the right people. If I'm going to be what God wants me to be, it will not be by myself. So when he came to Corinth, he found a certain Jew named Aquila and his wife Priscilla. And the Bible says that he abode in their house because they were of the same Occupation. Now, I don't know. I don't have proof of this. 
So I'm going to be careful. But I think over dinner in Aquila and Priscilla's house, they talked about the latest and greatest in tent making. Have you seen those new flaps, Aquila? Have you seen those tent stakes they just came out with? You want to know why they could talk about that? Because they were of the same occupation. They were linked together. They talked the same language. They knew the same lingo. They could get together and feel comfortable with one another because they were of the same occupation. Brothers and sisters, we got to have people in the body that we can talk about the kingdom with and it not be a foreign subject. We got to have people in the body that we talk about the Holy Ghost with and it not be a foreign subject. We must be of the same body. Come on, I want to raise and elevate the status of the body of Christ. There is something about the church. There is something about this body of Christ. How many of you just get blown away sometimes by how cool the body of Christ is? I'm going to tell you, growing up, I was amazed. I was a little intimidated, but I was amazed by the body of Christ. We had a little five foot three lady in my home church. Her name was Tomasa Rodriguez. She lived on Social Security in an upstairs apartment on 26th Street in Chicago Heights, Illinois. And Sister Rodriguez would show up every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, and every Wednesday night. And she'd park herself on the third pew in our church right over on the left-hand side. And we had a wonderful song leader. This was way before we called them worship leaders. We didn't have praise teams. We had one man who sang tenor the whole time. He didn't even sing the melody. He just sang tenor. He was from West Virginia, and he was country as cornbread. And Brother James Wellman would get up behind the pulpit to start the service, and he would say in that West Virginia draw, Praise the Lord, everybody. And 99% of the church would parrot it back to him. Are you with me? Praise the Lord, everybody. Everybody did what you just did. Except Tomasa Rodriguez. And when James Wellman said... Praise the Lord, everybody. Tomasa Rodriguez figured he just invited me to praise the Lord. And if he just invited me to praise the Lord, I'm going to praise the Lord. If he just said, praise the Lord, everybody, that's good enough for me. I'm going to lift up holy hands. I'm going to dance in the spirit. I'm going to give God praise. Why? Because I'm a part of the body. Come on, let's take a time out. Praise the Lord, Antioch. Praise the Lord, Antioch. This is the body of Christ. This is the body of Christ. Come on, we gotta have one another. We've got to have one another. <laughs> Just slap someone's arm and say, I'm who you got right now. I'm who you got. Listen, listen, be seated. There's no perfect church. Can I take this jacket off? Is that okay? There, there is no perfect church. I tell him at home, this is not a perfect church because I'm in the church. And none of us are perfect. But I'm blood washed. I'm Jesus name baptized. I'm Holy Ghost filled. There is something about the body. 
We need the body of Christ. That brother down the, the row from you is a strategic person tonight. That sister down the row from you is a strategic person. That young person in your youth group is a strategic person that God has put in our life to sharpen us and to help us and improve us. Everybody say the body of Christ. It is also interesting to me that in the book of Acts chapter number 18, Verse number 7 says that Paul departed thence and entered into a certain man's house named Justice. Everybody say Justice. One that worshipped God, whose house joined hard to the synagogue. Now that's a neat King James word of saying. Justice's house was right next door to the synagogue. And Paul, as his custom was, would go into the synagogue. And he would talk with the Jews. And he would visit with them about the Christ. And so he found it convenient to park himself right next to the harvest field. By lodging... At Justice's house. There are people in Arnold, Maryland tonight that are geographically important people for this church. I'm going to preach it boldly tonight. I'm going to get right down in our business what I feel from the Holy Ghost. There are people right around us who are very geographically significant. We reach them, and it will put us right next to a harvest field that God is going to open up in the Holy Ghost for the church. Justice had a very important location for his house. and So Paul said, I'm hanging out right there. Because his relationship with justice opened up a door for a whole harvest field. When Stacy and I first went to Cabot almost 24 years ago to plant our church, we knew one lady in town. Her name is Merva Bennett. Do we have a picture of Merva? Can you put Merva's picture on the screen? I think I may have sent that over. Merva Bennett. The only lady that we knew in Cabot was 75 years old. And that's Merva right there. And she said this to us when she found out that we were wanting to start a church in Cabot. She said, you don't know anybody except me. How about you come and start the church in my living room? Well, that was very kind of her. 75 years old. And so I I never will forget, Bishop, the first service we ever had, July the 20th, 1999. It was my wife and myself, my daughter Madison, who was a year and a half old, and Merva, four of us. This is why whenever I go preach pastor somewhere and the pastor says, oh, I'm so sorry, we don't have a big crowd here tonight. That never bothers me. Because unless it's less than four, I've been there before. (laughs) And so we had hired a girl uh, to come and watch Madison in the back bedroom and have Sunday school in the back bedroom. So when we started the first service of our church, it was me standing at the little podium, Stacy standing at the keyboard where she was going to play music, and Merva sitting on her couch. So I stepped up to the podium at 7 o'clock and said what all good service leaders say. Let's all stand. (laughs) Merva was the only one sitting down. I should have just said, Merva, would you stand please? That was on Tuesday night. And I didn't know this till later on, but every Wednesday at 11 o'clock, Merva would go to the steakhouse down one town south of Cabot, and she would get the senior sirloin tip special for lunch every Wednesday of her life. 
11 o'clock. She was an early lunch person. And so we had our service on Tuesday night. The next morning, Merva went to the steakhouse. And she sat down, and Ruby Wagner came over to service her table. Ruby was the manager at the steakhouse. And Merva looked at Ruby, and she said, Ruby, you will never guess what I did last night. Ruby said, I have no idea, Merva. What would you do? She said, we started a church in my living room last night. Now, how many of you know that's not a normal conversation starter? And so Ruby said, you started a church in your living room? She said, yes, there's a nice young man and his wife and their little girl, and we started a church in, our, in, in my living room last night. You should come. Well, Merva, when do you have church? We have church every Tuesday night at 7 o'clock in my living room. When you come, come through the back door, sliding door, come through, you can have church with us. And so one week later on Tuesday night, the sliding door opens and Ruby Wagner walks into the service. So now it's me standing at the podium, Stacy standing at the keyboard, and Merva and Ruby seated. Ladies, would you stand, please? It was awesome. That was week two. The next morning, Merva went back to the steakhouse. And Ruby stopped by Merva's table and said, I really enjoyed that last night, Merva. And while they were talking, a sweet Japanese lady named Kay Sun, who was one of the waitresses there at the restaurant, came by to clear a table. And Ruby said to Kay Sun, Kay Sun, you will never believe what I did last night. Kay Sun said, What'd you do last night, Ruby? I went over to Merva's house. We're starting a church in her living room. You should come. So the next Tuesday night, about 6.55, the sliding door opens. Here comes Ruby. And here comes K-Sun. Do you get the picture of what's happening here? The next Wednesday, it started all over again. And Katie Havens was invited by K-Sun. And then Tony Moeller was invited by K-Sun. I can take you to the night when we took Katie Havens to a whirlpool and we put her down in Jesus' name and God filled her with the Holy Ghost. Tony Moeller was taught a Bible study. Ruby came back to the Lord. Honey, can I tell you something? There are people that your connection with them can put you right next to a harvest field that you never thought you would reach. Come on, Antioch, there's a justice in your life. There's a justice in your life. There's a geographically significant person. They can open it up. They can open up culture groups. They can open up language groups. They can open up different groups in our culture. It's geographically significant people. Just the connection with them. Listen to me. Opens up the next great wave of the Holy Ghost. We had so many waitresses and waiters and dishwashers coming from the steakhouse. We changed our service time to accommodate their schedule so we could have church when they could come. Can I tell you something, folks? We got to catch the wave of what the Holy Ghost is doing. We can't get, I know this church doesn't have a problem with this, but we cannot get static. We can't get just run of the mill. We can't say we've done it like this before. We're going to do it like this again. In the apostolic church, there has to be sensitivity. God, you're connecting me to somebody that's going to open up a harvest field. These are geographically significant people. I want you to turn to someone and say, we need those kind of people. God's going to bring us in contact with those kind of people. Let me go ahead and just speak it over the church right now. God's going to do that this year. God's going to bring us in contact with a justice. And we're going to abide in the house. And we're going to see God do something next door to justice that we've dreamed about, that we've prayed about, that we've asked God for. Praise God. Strategic people.
Acts chapter 18 and verse number 8. And Crispus, everybody say Crispus. The chief ruler of the synagogue believed on the Lord with all his house. Keep reading. And many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. I feel like I am internally combusting here tonight. But listen to me. The Bible does not say that the people in Corinth heard Paul preach and were so wowed by his homiletical structure that he impressed them enough to make a commitment to serve the Lord Jesus. The Bible does not say that. The Bible says that Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, he heard the word. And he believed the word. He trusted in the Lord. And when many other Corinthians heard that, they believed. God is giving the apostolic church significant conversions. People who some of you are going to teach a Bible study to, and when they are born again of water and spirit, there's going to be entire friend groups that see the change in that man and see the change in that woman. And they're going to show up at the house of God and say, if God can do it for him, he probably can do it for me. If God can fill Christmas with the Holy Ghost, he can touch my life. It is a significant conversion. Many of the Corinthians hearing of Christmas's conversion, hearing that, they believed. Is that all right with us? Is that all right with us if someone comes through the doors of Antioch? You'd say, how'd you hear about us? You see our website? You saw our Facebook page? No, I heard about Joe. I heard about what God's done in Joe's life. I've heard about what God's done in Dorothy's life. I've heard about what God's done in that man's life. That young person, that young adult, that family. I've heard about what God's done for them. I got to check this out. I got to get in on this thing. <laughs> so, so when Stacy and I went to Cabot, we were praying. I mean, uh, you, you know what it is, Bishop. You, you have a dog walk by the church. We'll count it. We're desperate people. We want people. <laughs> and so, we had, we had lived in our house there in Cabot on South Hills Drive about four or five months, Stacy, maybe something like that. And Matt and Dana, who live next to us, right next door to us, put the for sale sign in their yard. So our next door neighbors are now moving. Like four or five months after we moved to our house, they moved. And so Stacy went to prayer and she told me, she said, Tim, let me tell you what I'm praying. I'm praying that God will give us favor with whoever moves in this house. And I'm going to pray somebody in this house. Can I just stop here long enough to say, Brother, if your wife is a praying woman, you ought to thank God for that. You ought to thank God every day for a praying wife. She said, I'm going to pray someone in this house. And so we never will forget the day when the moving truck pulled up. The for sale sign went down. It said sold. And the moving truck pulled up. And a sweet Hispanic family came out of the moving truck. I think I got a picture of them. Can they put the picture of the Hispanic family on the screen? This is Leonard and Jessica Mesa. And their son, Justin. Leonard and Jessica Mesa and their son, Justin. That's actually just about the time that they moved into our neighborhood. And so they just looked like the sweetest family. We gave them a few days to get all settled. And then we walked over and introduced ourselves and uh, invited them over for dinner. And so they came over for dinner. Just a sweet family. Moved from Texas. Came to Arkansas. 
And um, we had dinner. And, you know, you, you get around certain people and you just connect with them. It's easy. The conversation is, is familiar and easy. They were those kind of people. So we said our goodbyes. And, and we had them back over a few weeks later for dinner. We had them. And um, after dinner, we decided to kind of talk. Me and, me and Leonard would talk. And you, you know how it is for men, we kind of talk different than ladies talk. Amen. Uh, Pastor, can, can I use you just for a second? Can you help me here? So uh, if, if two guys are talking, let's just face this way. If two guys, guys have the ability to stand right next to each other like this. Talk this way, but talk to one another. How many men in the house feel a witness in the spirit on that? Pastor and I can talk for a long time. I just know. We can talk this way. We're talking this way. Our voice is going this way, but he and I are talking to one another. Now, just turn toward me. I'm not going to embarrass you, but turn to If Brother Gaddy gets up in the face of Pastor, he's going to back up. But you women are not wired like that. Thank you, Pastor. You, I, I'll spare you any more than that. I've seen how you ladies, you like just getting right up in each other's business. Girlfriend, I'm just, just on and on and on you go. <clears throat> so Jessica and Stacy are in the kitchen and they're enjoying company. And Leonard and I are out in the garage. And we're standing right out by our vehicles and we're standing side by side talking to each other, you know. And uh, just kind of shooting the breeze and talking about things and nothing really, nothing spiritual, just kind of practical stuff, family and cutting grass and stuff like that, you know. And Leonard, all of a sudden, without warning, asks me this question. Remember, he's standing right next to me talking this way. And, and he says to me, hey, Tim, I got a question for you. I did not turn to him. I just answered him straight ahead. Yeah, Leonard, what's up? He said, he asked me, he said, are you protocostal? <laughs> and I, I knew what he meant. He meant Pentecostal. So I just answered in the affirmative. Yes, I am Pentecostal. To which he replied, what's that? Now, how many of you know when someone says, what's Pentecost? It's game on then. <laughs> Thank you. I think I'll step through that door right there. <laughs> so without turning to him, I just start witnessing to him, talking straight ahead. Pentecost is baptized in the Holy Ghost. It happened for me, Leonard, when I'm 13 years old. He's just nodding his head, looking this way, but nodding his head. I'm telling him about all it means being protocostal. All it means being Pentecostal. He said, that's pretty cool. And we got ready to, to part company. And I said, Leonard, uh, have you ever dedicated Justin to the Lord? And he said, no, I've thought about getting him baptized, but I haven't dedicated him. And I said, well, I would love the privilege, if you would ever like that one day, just to dedicate Justin to the Lord. It just is when we take our children and we acknowledge that they're a gift from God and we hold them up to the Lord and say, Lord, they're yours. We want your will, your kingdom to be done in their life. I'd love the privilege to do that. Long story short, Leonard came over to my house a few weeks later and he said, hey, Tim, you know that dedication thing you were talking about? Me and Jessica have been talking about that. We'd like you to dedicate Justin to the Lord. I said, great. We, we lined it up. They came to church. And it's wonderful. It's wonderful. It's wonderful when people come into the house of God that don't know things. They don't know how to clap on the two and the four. They don't know how to lift up their hands and talk at the same time. They don't know any of the calisthenics that we go through. They're offbeat and they, they, they're a little awkward. It's wonderful. I said, Leonard, Jessica, come on up. We're going to dedicate Justin to the Lord. And they came up, and they got up by the front, and they were doing you know, the sign of the cross, and they were turning around to the congregation. I had to turn them back around toward me. I mean, it, just, it was beautiful. And I dedicated Justin to the Lord, and tears are streaming down Jessica's face, and it's just an awesome experience. 
I think we took them out to eat, had a great time of, of connection with them. We parted company. The next Sunday, they showed back up at church. And I have to confess something, because confession is good for the soul. The first thought that went through my mind when they came back the second time was, I wonder if they have another child that they're wanting dedicated. Did I miss that they have two children? But this time they came because they loved what they felt the Sunday before. That's pretty awesome. Fast forward about six months on a Sunday morning service when Leonard stepped out of the aisle. They've been coming for six months now. Stepped out into the aisle and God baptized him with the Holy Ghost speaking with other tongues. Jessica saw that happen. She stepped out into the aisle, lifted up her hands and God baptized her with the Holy Ghost speaking with other tongues. I baptized them in Jesus' name. They came out of the water being refilled all over again. We were so excited. Our next door neighbors are now serving the Lord. Several weeks go by and I get a knock on my front door. I open the door and it's John Moore who lives across the street from me. He said, Tim, how you doing? Good, John. How you doing? I'm doing great. John says to me, I heard you dedicate children. I'm wondering if you could dedicate my daughter Lexi to the Lord. Sure. I didn't know I was the dedicator on the block. And so John shows up with Lexi and his wife, and we dedicate Lexi to the Lord. John and Carrie start showing up. Lexi gets the Holy Ghost. John gets the Holy Ghost. Carrie gets the Holy Ghost. Before it was all said and done, we had 45 people on our street that were either a part of our church or who came to our church. Can I tell you, Antioch, God wants to give us conversions that open up entire harvest field. God wants to do it. Come on, if he can do that in Cabot, he can do it in your neighborhood. He can give you that significant conversion. Come on, somebody, help me pray. Say, God, do it. God, do it in the name of Jesus. Let me have that connection with a significant conversion. When they hear about it, many are going to believe. happen it's gonna happen it's gonna happen my brother it's gonna happen my sister you keep on reaching you keep on trusting you keep on praying you keep on interceding god is at work in people's lives everybody say a significant conversion be seated i'm just about done i am just amazed in acts chapter 18 all Of the powerful examples. Look at verse 12. When Gallio was the deputy of Achaia. The Jews made insurrection with one accord against Paul. And brought him to the judgment seat saying. This fellow persuadeth men to worship God contrary to the law. Watch this now. And when Paul was now about to open his mouth. Gallio said unto the Jews. If it were a matter of wrong or wicked lewdness, O you Jews, reason would that I should bear with you. But if it be a question of words and names and of your law, look ye to it, for I will be no judge of such matters. And he drove them from the judgment seat. They were bringing accusation Against the man of God. They were bringing accusation against God's man. And just before he had to defend himself. God raised up a man named Gallio. Who if we're just kind of getting it in our terms. Was like the governor of the state of Maryland. Who the Bible never tells me as far as I can ever see. That Gallio ever became A Christian. But he was a heathen that God used for kingdom purposes. 
God can use heathens. Now, don't point at anybody. But God can whisper in the heart of a heathen man to say, start defending him right now. Stand up and start talking right now. Come on, there's a man of God in need right now. I'm going to whisper. I'm going to nudge your shoulder. I'm going to whisper in your spirit. You're going to defend Paul right now. You're going to drive his accusers out of the judgment seat. They're not going to get their, their, their hands on him. There is a heathen that God is using. How many of you know God's great enough, God's big enough, and God's wise enough to use anybody to propagate the kingdom of God? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I went to the post office years ago, and when I was getting my mail out of my box, I stood next to a table, a little high table there in the post office, and I was opening up most of the junk mail and throwing it away. And there was a man standing there at the table, and he said this to me. He goes, man, I get a lot of junk. I said, yeah, I do too. It's kind of pitiful, all the junk mail you get. He said this. He asked me, he said, what do you do for a living? I said, I'm a pastor. The next word out of his mouth. I hate preachers. Nice to meet you too. Literally the first thing he said to me. I hate preachers. And so I asked him. That got my curiosity. I said, why do you hate preachers? He said, because all you preachers are in it for is to get in people's wallets. All you want is to get money. I hate preachers. So I thought, well, I'm going to go with this. And so I just stuck my hand out. I said, my name's Tim. He said, my name's Bob. We shook hands. Before we parted company, I said, Bob, I'm going to make it my goal to change your mind about preachers. If I ever see you again, I'm going to make it my goal to change your mind about preachers. He said, yeah, that won't happen. Started cussing and walking to his car. See you, Bob. Now, I've told Stacy this on so many occasions. I have lost track of the number of times... I have seen Bob in the post office. Now, Pastor, I'm not making this up. It's almost as if, I know it's probably not like that. Maybe it is. It's almost as if when God knows I'm going to the post office, he interrupts Bob's cereal in the morning and says, Bob, go to the post office. I have lost track of the number of times that I've run into my heathen friend named Bob in the post office. But every time that I see Bob, the wall comes down just a little bit more. It's not quite as difficult. He doesn't cuss quite as much. That's a win. So much so that he adopted a name for me. I'm no longer Tim to Bob. I am now simply known as Preach. So he calls me Preach. When he's, hey, Preach! He'll get out of his car at the post office now. Hey, Preach! Hey, Bob. I haven't got the nerve to say, hey, heathen. I haven't... Oh, we become good friends. I mean, good friends. And I never will forget the day that he's opening his mail, and I see him, hey, preach, hey, Bob. And uh, he says, hey, I was reading something the other day that your church is pooling money together to help the less fortunate at Christmas. Is that, did I get that right? I said, yeah, Bob, it's, it's a ministry called Hope's Closet and Pantry. We serve meals to families and give them clothes, especially at Christmas time and Thanksgiving. We collect goods and we give it to them to bless families. And Bob Tassler says, hang on just a second. 
goes to his truck, pulls out his checkbook, brings it in and slaps it down on the table in the post office. And I'm watching this from back here. The man who said, I hate preachers because all they're in it for is money is writing a check. New Life Church, $300 paid to the order of New Life Church. He said, here, preacher, take this and bless families for me. We got ready to purchase a piece of property, and we had to go before the city planning commission. And when we walked into the planning commission room, it was like going before the Sanhedrin, like there's six or seven real big authority-looking guys sitting behind this huge desk. And you got to come up to this little microphone in front of them and plead your case for why you want to build a building on a piece of property. We walked in with three or four of our guys to that planning commission meeting. We were about 20 minutes early, and there was almost nobody in there. All the Sanhedrin was up there, and we were there. And there was one man sitting over on the other side of the room, Bob. <laughs> when I walked in, Bob, all the way across the room, stands up and says, Hey, preach! Come here! Now I want you to get this picture. You think God can't use heathens? Me and Bob are standing at the holy microphone. We're standing in front of the big wheels that tell us whether we can build a building on this property. Our fate of our church building is in the hands of those guys right there. And Bob stands next to me. We're both facing the same direction. And we're facing the planning commission. And he says loudly, Preach! Why are you here tonight? So I figured I'm going to match his volume. I'm here tonight, Bob, because we're going before these guys right here. We have a piece of property and we want to build a church building on this property. I don't know if they're going to okay it. To which Bob replies, preach. You state your case to these guys. If they give you any problem, let me know. I'll deal with them. Come on, Antioch, I want you to believe God can use anybody. God can use anybody. God can use anybody to build the kingdom, to propel the kingdom forward. He can use a heathen. He can use a heathen. He's got his eye on the church. Come on, let's praise him right now. Let's give God praise. That he's able to protect his church. He's able to guide his church. He's able to direct his church. Come on, lift up your voice and say, Lord, you're on the throne. You're on the throne. I'm in your church. I'm a part of your body. You're working on our behalf. You can use anybody you please. You can use anybody you please. Come on, Antioch. I feel something stirring in the Holy Ghost right now. I feel like there's an intercession in the Spirit happening in this house right now. I feel like there's someone rising up saying, God, you're going to do it. You brought us this far. You're going to keep us in your hand. You're going to keep directing your people. Come on, they're in your neighborhood. They're on your job. They're the people you rub shoulders with. 
God's going to give you favor. God's going to go before you. Come on, they walk the hallways with you, students. They sit in the cubicle next to you, mom. Come on, they work with you on the job, sir. They're strategic people. Strategic people. I want you to hear me. I want you to hear me. A certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord, being fervent in the spirit. He spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. Acts 18 and 26, he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, They took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. And when he was come, he helped them much which had believed through grace. For he mightily convinced the Jews and that publicly, showing by the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. Please hear me. There are people in this part of Maryland, listen very closely to Brother Gaddy, who believe in Jesus Christ. But they also are open for more. They are fervent in their devotion. But when they lay their head down on their pillow at night, the question comes, Pastor, could it be that there is something more than I have ever experienced before? The Bible says that when Aquila and Priscilla came to this man named Apollos, they did not put him down They did not belittle him. They did not tell him he had nothing. They did not leave him where he was. But they took him to them and began to show them more clearly the way of the Lord. I want to prophesy it over this congregation. There are going to be people in the next two months in this city that are going to express themselves to you. And there's going to be a witness in the Holy Ghost that resides inside of you that says they're open for more. They're open for more. They're open for more. Step into their lives. Bring them to you and show them more clearly the way of the Lord. They only know the baptism of John. They only know the baptism of John. They're fervent. They're dedicated. They believe in Jesus, but they're hungry for more. Go ahead and give voice to that right now. Go ahead and give voice to that. I wish somebody would step out into the aisle and just begin to intercede in the Holy Ghost. I wish you'd just pray in the Holy Ghost right now. 
you let tongues come forth in your spirit right now pray in the spirit overcome through the spirit let the glory of God touch your life right now I've come to tell somebody there's more for you tonight. There's more than you've ever experienced in the Lord tonight. There's more for you in baptism tonight. There's more for you in the spirit tonight. There's more for you in relationship with God tonight. Come on, I wish everybody in the house would fill up this front of this church. Come on, would you stand all across this house? Members and guests alike, I wish you'd come and fill up the front of this church. We're going to let Zion travail right now. The Bible says when Zion travails, she's going to bring forth. When Zion travails, she's going to bring forth. When Zion travails, she's going to bring forth. young people travail in the Holy Ghost come on young adults intercede in the Holy Ghost come on there's an Apollos in your neighborhood there's an Apollos on your job that's it go ahead if you're cold and lukewarm go ahead and pray till you break through go ahead and pray till you get that renewing in the Holy Ghost let a spirit of intercession rest on your heart right now Come on, that's it, young adults. God's using you in prayer right now. Come on, young married couples. God's using you in prayer right now. Come on, hell. Hell's on guard right now. Heaven is touching earth right now. go ahead and pray with one another right now let the gifts of the spirit operate tonight let there be full function of the gifts of the spirit tonight go ahead and let the gifts of the Holy Ghost operate tonight
towards it. God's shining his light on the church. God's shining his light on the apostolic church. God's shining his light on the church.